Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. We are here in Wyoming, and it is the start of another hunting season. It's so fun. I'm sitting here in the lodge at the Split Rock Ranch with Saki, who's running field producer mode on this hunt. We've got the Wamplers, Shelly and Justin, and I'm here more as a support role this year, <laughs> which uh, I've drawn this tag seven years in a row, and for the first time myself and my daughter Avery did not draw Wyoming deer. But why don't you guys, Justin, set the scene? Um, you got to tell the backstory. <laughs> I mean, you got to. There's, We've there's already, a lot of backstory. We we told it last last year yeah. at the the podcast from here, but we did. Let's let's there's, refresh. There's about seven years of backstory. The seven years that he drew it. Yeah, yeah. The seven years he drew it, and then took me that long to to build up the points and draw it for some reason this this antelope, unit though. Antelope. antelope because antelope. you yeah, said you've drawn deer i've drawn deer the last couple of years yeah, yeah. So. which is slowly getting up there and we can, we'll get into that later but uh i think when you drew it for the first time it took you two points i think that's the year you drew the trifecta correct i think two or three i think you're exactly mm-hmm. right yeah and it was I started, in 2014 and i started putting in that year and you already had points then, and right? I had one or two built up at that time, and I knew after coming up here, I was like, "That's that's that's where I want to go. That's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna spend my points. This place is unreal, and there's antelope everywhere." So I put in, and then I put in again, <laughs> and I put it again. And every, and every year, year it was like, "I'm gonna draw we, it." Yeah, well, I'm we were, draw it. You're like, you gotta draw it this year. Yeah. yeah. Even last <clears throat> year, we were pretty convinced that you were going to be up here hunting hunting antelope and and we uh if we drew it uh we would just come in and help you and then go right into deer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every year it was one point more and i had two it was three three it was four four it was five it just kept going and going <laughs> and going and even this year pulled up stats on the drive up here 53% chance that I had this year to draw it. With seven, right? With seven. Yeah. And I got one of them. So well, it's, it just keeps climbing and climbing. So Why do you think that is? Um, You want a real answer? I do. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Eastman's Hunting Journal. Yeah. Did a, did a feature on it. Didn't did it? a feature on... Uh, this unit, unit 68 in Wyoming, being a great trophy unit and antelope bucks everywhere and great opportunity for a bow hunter on public land. And it went through the roof. Everybody started and putting And I applied here. for it the year that, or I drew the tag the year Here's, that article yeah, came, out. came out. Exactly. And I, having been a former research editor for Eastman's Hunting Journal, I understand where they came from and how they got their research and how they got to that uh, decision. And I, I stand behind it. I think at that point that was all of that was true, but the extra exposure, just like when I was with Eastman's hunting journal, I used to get a lot of really funny emails (laughs) (laughs) that were pissed at me because I pointed out 
their quote unquote their honey hole. Honey yeah, hole. their secret spot. Absolutely. Even though I didn't give directions, but um, mm-hmm. I think what was interesting though about this year is that I didn't draw the deer tag. Avery didn't draw on the on the youth didn't draw the, the deer tag. And then we have another friend that was going to come and hunt with Avery, another young lady, and she didn't draw the tag. So the, so there was three of us where I had drawn that deer tag seven years in a row, didn't draw. Mm-hmm. Last year, Dustin, myself, and Shelly mm-hmm. all drew the deer tag. Did you put in for the special last year? Mm, no. I I've, didn't either. No, always done random. Yeah, I've never right. done the special always. for deer. And I put in for a regular again this year and didn't draw it so i wonder if i would have anyway hindsight's 2020 but the big reveal is the fact that shelly <laughs> drew drew them both antelope drew them both and you only had three points. i only had three points and the stats don't support that that's it's weird. We pulled stats on the way Did here. Did you dr- put in for the special Did, antelope? Yeah. Special. Well, that special might, antelope, but that, not special deer. That that makes sense though, yeah. because there are some, and I don't quite understand. It's separated, but it is separated, and it's a little non-resident bit non-resident special antelope. Yeah, and it showed zero drawn, seven or less, which obviously not complaining, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you very guys, interesting. If 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 they made a mistake, too bad you yeah. had the Whoops. tag. Check, yeah, jackpot, and it is now should notched. Have a lottery. But, but is, we no, won't. We won't talk. Don't about give that, that away. <laughs> no, the funny thing is, you know, not to. Oops. After Justin started chasing it, and it became a thing <laughs> that every year he expected to draw and expected to draw, I started giving him a hard time. I'm like, I'm going to draw that tag before you do. I'm going to get it. And sure enough, not that I got yeah. it before him, but this year that he's just been waiting. We both draw well, the tag. The crazy thing was when they announced the draws i know justin and i were texting back and forth and i te- i think i texted you i d- i didn't draw deer like in just disbelief mm-hmm. you texted me back that shelly drew deer then you texted me back that you drew antelope then you texted me back that <laughs> shelly drew antelope i did in Surprise. that order exactly and i was like what the heck that's wild, that's wild. so and the thing is, is we know for sure they cut back the antelope tags because uh, they did have a drought and there was a, I don't know if I, if you can call it a die off, but there was some decrease mm-hmm. in the herd population. And the difference is when we're here at the Split Rock with, with QRS and Quentin Smith, our good buddy, if you've listened to the podcast before, you've, he's been on many times, um, the Split Rock is special because... 90% of the antelope in the unit are on this place. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard to see die off when you're yeah. looking at them all when in the same spot. When you're looking at 300 yeah. antelope yeah. In, in the pivots. And again, six. setting the scene here, you have sagebrush. You do have some high country stuff across there to Green Mountain. Then on into us, sage draws and then uh, rock bluffs, but there's a creek that runs through it and there's four magical pivots mm-hmm. that uh-huh. just appear in this high desert and it is a uh, oasis is a way to put it um and Saki, this is your first year it is yeah here first time ever here 
and you just uh, did a an over the counter. Was it over the counter or was it a draw? <clears throat> no, I actually ended up drawing Unit Eighty Seven in Colorado. In Colorado, but it was public land. Yep. Tell us about that hunt because you you're going from an antelope hunt in Colorado to an antelope in Wyoming because I want to compare and contrast these two different hunts. Right. Um, yeah, coming straight from it, um, it was just two totally different things. I mean, the number of animals that you see here at Split Rock is huge, just a huge, huge difference. And the quality of bucks, too, was so much higher up here. Um, that OTC hunt is, I mean, it's, or not the OTC, sorry, that Unit 87 tag was, it's a great tag. You'll see a lot of bucks. It used to be over-the-counter when I, when we first moved to Colorado. That was an over-the-counter unit, but yeah. That's what I understood as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll see a lot of a lot of antelope, but there's, there's literally nothing to hide behind. It's just the grasslands. You know, ankle to shit high grass. East to east there, east of Fort Collins. Yep, yep. Um, I was fortunate enough on day two to uh, find a buck kind of feeding behind a, a little knob that allowed me to get up on top and take a shot. And he stood there long enough basically for me to get an arrow off and, and that ended it. Um, but then coming up here, like I said, it's just totally different because there's just animals everywhere. I've never seen this many animals in my life. So. Yeah, and Saki's from the land of enchantment. Um, where there's even less animals. Where there's even <laughs> less animal, but there's some big ones. There is. There is. Um, New Mexico has some unique uh, opportunities for some huge goats. But you're from Cruces. Yeah. And have, uh, how long have you been in Fort Collins now? Um, I moved over in February of 2018. So it's been a little over a year and a half. Um, and then I lived in Las Cruces, born and raised. So. Yeah. And we knew a lot of the same people. Matter of fact, he just, Saki uh, comes from a law enforcement background. And at, although you're quite a bit younger than I am, you <laughs> you trained with a lot of the guys I went to the academy with when I was a cop. I did, yeah, yeah. When I started working, a lot of them were in their latter years. Um, because hey, easy, <laughs> easy with that. <laughs> um, because a lot of you know a lot of the guys and girls down there have that twenty year retirement in law enforcement. So when when I started getting started, they were kind of coming off the end, but I worked with a lot of them and knew knew quite a bit of the, the same people that you worked with, so. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, uh, I mean, can you, could you ever have thought, I tried to prepare you for this. How did I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to build it up, but I just told you, hey, I mean, this is like the American Serengeti. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, speaking with you and then Garrett, you know, both of you guys kind of told me that you're going to see more animals than you've ever seen at the split rock basically um and i i, I kind of had a feeling i was like oh i'm sure we'll see a lot like we'll <laughs> we'll see a lot but i i really had no idea that you know we'd come over a ledge and see two or three hundred antelope and mule deer i mean it was just everywhere in one pivot all day in, long. in one pivot yeah all day long you'll yeah. go out there you know noon one o'clock it's 100 degrees mm-hmm. outside yeah. there they're out there feeding in the middle of the pivot and, and it's and it's interesting because uh you can try and set people up for that yeah but but to see it and it's it's because of the way this country lays lays up there's again the 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 big draws ridges then down into two by the by the creek bottom it's flat enough so it's not that there's they're all congregated together you can Mm -hmm. just see for miles yeah yeah and in these ag fields there and you'll see Spread them filter out. in. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. They'll come out of the stage and they'll all hit almost like a little highway. They'll come through the fences and 
you'll see a hundred of them just filter in all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's unique. It's really unique, um, but not easy to hunt. Which it's not sounds no. like a dream, yeah. But opens up a whole new problem yeah, when you're starting to hunt. Mm-hmm. And they're not pattering. It's not. They don't filter through that fence at the same time mm-hmm. every day. They just come and go, the and they're just happy. The are probably the most patternable. Yeah. Antelope? No. No, they uh, just they just they're just random. Yeah. All the wilderness, and they get. Jump grasshopper jumps in front yeah. of them. They're <laughs> gone. What, what do we Next get? County. Sandhill cranes. Yeah, Sandhill cranes got over them. And yeah. Empty yeah. a pivot. <laughs> Crazy. Twenty uh, minutes later, here they all come back. But they don't have to have a pattern, right? They're right. Everything they, they need is right there. Everything they need. And these these pivots are so big, you can't sneak in on them. Do you, I mean you can't? There is a little topography, and yeah. I and I have stalked in on bedded mule deer when the alfalfa is knee high when it's mm-hmm. tall yeah you know mm-hmm. and yeah. you get in in a wheel well where the you know where the center pivot has created a, yep. a little bit of a ditch and that and then that gives you even a little bit more and i've done that before but it all depends on the cycle of where they're at and cutting their hay exactly. and right now the hay is about mid little less than mid calf so there's yeah. just not yeah, much it's short so um i think We've been successful here for mule deer primarily mm-hmm. because we were able to pattern. If they leave the pivot in the morning and they go into the sage to bed, because some mule deer will stay in the pivot, but most of them leave mm-hmm. and the whitetail leave and go into mm-hmm. the willows or the, or the sage and then, but most likely they go that way. If you'll set up, get the wind right and set up where they left, usually they come back right. that way. Antelope, uh-uh. No. No. So. And that was one thing we noticed is that one day we'd see a couple of the bucks that, you know, Shelly and Justin really liked in one pivot. And then we'd walk out the next morning and, you know, half a mile away in the other pivot, they'd, there they'd be right there. Yeah. So they, they just would almost at random go to different pivots. Right. Right. One of the unique things about having an antelope tag and a deer tag is deer, primarily you're hunting them early morning, late evening, but then you don't even try and hunt antelope in the in the morning or the evening because you can hunt them in yeah. the middle of the day. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have to. And, it, and it, what it makes for, for us, when we just had deer tags like last year, <laughs> middle of the day, we're back here, we're, you know, playing cards or yeah. taking a nap or you know doing media management yeah, whatever media management and downloading cards yeah, yeah. and uh we didn't when we were done with looking for that mule deer for you this morning which we did find yep a nice mule deer but we bedded him down and there's just no way to get into him without blowing a bunch of other deer out right uh we just left him and um you know said hey let's let's go look for some antelope so uh, it, it, it keeps you it keeps you hunting all day long. Oh yeah, all day long. But let's let's throw it back to uh, the the August thirty first, and um, you know you guys showed up on the thirtieth, the night of the thirtieth, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a, a special weekend because we have Labor Day, so we it was going to be a long weekend anyway. And uh, what did you guys see when you got here? I mean, did you had you did you see some decent antelope because i was i was not here i came up early this morning because i had some obligations i had to 
to be at. We did. We did. We uh, we set up down there in what we call Vulture's Knob and mm-hmm. looked at uh, Pivot 3 and 4 like we normally do in the evening. We show up at 5, 6 o'clock, pushing push dark, unload as much as we can, and then we haul down there with the spotting scope and binos and watch, watch the pivots till dark. And there were a few decent bucks in there that I was able to get uh, the phone scope on. And uh, I'm not very good at judging antelope, so get back to the lodge and start firing off some pictures and asking you and Q mm-hmm. what you thought. And uh, <clears throat> there were some good bucks in there for sure, some low to mid-70s bucks, but Q had known he'd been up here the weekend before and knew about these two bucks up here in this other pivot, so he kind of put those on the hit list. So kind of had given you a heads up to him exactly and then you'd found them and um or you thought you found them we had thought we found them first thing the next morning yeah okay okay so it weren't positive and what was your plan did you guys uh that morning did you look for the uh mule deer in the morning or did you start? No, because no. the season didn't start. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The 31st, it wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't start until September mm-hmm. 1. Today was the yep. opening, Today was opening right. day. So, so you, didn't were, even, you didn't even worry about we it. We didn't even worry about no. it. Okay. Yeah. So t- so talk me through what, you know, y- yesterday and, and how everything uh, progressed. Uh, so yesterday morning, we knew we're getting up. We're looking for antelope. No need to get up early. Right. Um, they do. They move around, but I mean they move around all day long so you're not missing anything uh so we got up first thing and just looked off the back deck set up spotters and and look for some bucks um got a few pictures um of what we thought were okay bucks but like i said i'm not very good at judging them unless they're next to other ones and i can compare so we got up found a couple uh skirted around the outside of the pivot and went up in between uh, one and or actually two and three, glassed a couple and had a single buck come out across the grass at Sage. Thought he looked fairly good. Um, drove the Suburban out, dropped Matt and I off, and we tried to sneak around and, and get up over this small rise. There's there's not much out there in that corner, so it was it was just try to keep some something between you and the buck and we thought he was a whole lot closer to this this rise than, than he what, was than he was did and you try the decoys at that time or were you just trying we to sneak not, up on no, it okay we did not try the decoy at that time it was just uh let's see if we can how close we can get and i think we ended up we only got to like 150 something like that and and he saw us which he didn't do anything he he turned around just started walking straight away from us and i mean you know you're not going to catch a buck when he's just no. walking away so no not with a bow kind of gave up on him um got back Saki came back up with the the suburban and we just kind of watched him and he joined up with a couple other bucks and some does and they they milled around and, and bedded down there and we just kind of let him be and let, let i want to jump in here i want to talk a little bit about the the different uh, tactics that we've used in the mm-hmm. past nine years or seven years or eight years, whatever, <laughs> however long we've been hunting here. Um, you know, 
I, I've been real successful in Antelope in Colorado and uh, Montana and New Mexico using different tactics. One of the tactics we use is we call stop, drop, and crawl, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is really hard to film. But it's the old drive-by where, you, you know, in, let's say you're on a county road and there's a buck off to the side. And, you, you know, you got a bar ditch on either side and you sit on the tailgate. Somebody drives, gets down to just slowing down just enough. And the buck's kind of watching the truck and you bail out of the back into the bar ditch. And the truck keeps going. Mm-hmm. And what is the antelope? Antelope watches the yeah, truck. Yeah, watches the truck. Mm-hmm. And if they're close enough, sometimes you can pop up and get a shot once you get off the roadway. Or you can literally crawl at them. And sometimes if you stay low enough, I don't know if it's a non-threatening because you're lower or whatever, but I've had antelope then come from 70 yards into 35. Mm -hmm. Very curious antelope. Yeah, the very curious. The hard part is getting up and getting drawn. Yeah, getting back up. Okay. Then you got the the, the classic like Saki was talking about, like you were trying, where you're moving around an obstacle or obstructions, kind of spot and stalk, but... Antelope move so much, most of the time you're moving to where they're moving or where they're feeding, like Saki killed that one in Colorado earlier this year. And we've done that too. Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, there's decoying. Decoying works really good about two weeks in September <laughs> when they're rutting and you know basically you're looking for a big buck with a lot of does and then you just just you just hang out and watch until a little buck starts to wander in and then he runs that buck off and you get in between him and his herd with the montana decoy uh antelope buck decoy Mm -hmm. pop that up and then he he looks back sees a buck over by his does he runs to you but we've shot him that way too but Mm -hmm. that's such a short window window and 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 you got to hit it right and we've always hunted earlier so up here at the split rock that's hasn't been one of our main uh options although i use an antelope decoy to kill mule deer a lot up here because Mm -hmm. there again there is so much so many antelope um but up here i'll even use a deer decoy to get in close to antelope there's something about when they're not at that peak rut they just they're not real tolerant of of new bucks so they'll just walk away from you mm-hmm. rather than come in or whatever uh, when it's not, when they're not ruddy. So I think we have, it's almost like you got a bunch of different uh, cards dealt to you and how are you going to play those cards depending upon the situation. Right. And, and then, you, in the, especially at the Split Rock, you're dealing with a farming operation. So you have farming trucks constantly all summer long in and out working on the pivots mm-hmm. i mean so the the human traffic is not something that makes them run when they see a truck mm-hmm. drive by you know so we've used that to our advantage too mm-hmm. to where we're able to almost utilize the truck as a, either a distraction mm-hmm. A moving blind, we, we call it a bunch of different <laughs> things, just enough to almost that stop, drop, and crawl type thing. Mm-hmm. But basically what you're doing is you're using that to get at an angle into range 
to where then the truck keeps going and you're set up. Right. So I, I, I just mentioned that because you actually tried a couple of different things. And, um, yeah, so. Well, I yeah, think we tried several. The Like Justin alluded to earlier, you have all those different factors, but now you have 10, 12, hundreds of times the eyes. Right. That you would in any of those other situations. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a factor that you don't deal yeah. with. Yeah. You're not going to stop, drop, and crawl on a hundred antelope. Right. Right. Well, you need one. They're yeah. not just in front of you. Right. Exactly. You've got 20 to your right, 20 mm-hmm. to your left, and you're trying to get to that one that's every time he's in the middle. He's in the middle. Right. Or you've got. Or he's on the other side. Or he's yeah. on the other side. Right. Or you've got mule deer. Yeah. You put on another stock later in the evening where worked out great in the pivot. If you can catch that pivot running or that irrigation pivot and it's running full bore, catch it in the sunlight, you can't see through it. We used it as a moving blind shield. again, a <laughs> yeah. shield. And you just got on the other side. Yeah. So we got on the sunny side. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see as if you're looking back in through the water towards the sun you can't see a you thing you can see it all nothing and we're talking four five hundred yards of uh, irrigation pivot and full length and we could get on that one side and we walk the full length of it all the way across this alfalfa that's less than knee high on this one side and got within 150 yards of 30 mule deer and 20 antelope. And they had no idea we were there. Well, but you gotta have the wind right though too, I would imagine. The wind, we had to have right, but I mean, it, it worked perfect. Yeah. I mean, but we ran ran to the very <laughs> end of it and 150 was, was about it and we ran out of real estate. Right. Needed and more water. And we just had to, we needed more water. <laughs> I needed more pivot. <laughs> Because we got, I mean, directly across through the pivot from mule deer, couple antelope doe. They had no idea we were there. And I even turned around to Matt one time who was behind me running camera and asked him, uh, you think I can shoot through the water? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you. And I was like, we we might find out. Because it, it was the ideal setup. It was just, we just needed that little bit more on the range. And, and that's the uh, first time I think I've ever heard, we've talked about getting up on the on the pivot and riding, riding it. it. Riding the pivot, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where the antelope are embedded. Yeah. But I've never thought about yeah. using that. But you have to have the sun right. So yeah. that it's actually sunlight. perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be going full bore. Yeah. But it was, and we didn't notice it until... So it was directly facing south, and we come in just from the west, and we're starting, and we're glassing. We're trying to glass the pivot, and we're coming over, and we're like, God, I can't see through that. Not at all. And we're like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) That's an opportunity. (laughs) And sure enough, I mean, I'm telling you, just standing up. There was no crawling. There was no kneeling. You just walked. We just walked straight across, right up that pivot on that uh on that west side and they had no idea never even looked Mm -hmm. and at that point i mean normally they can pick you out 600 yards away Mm -hmm. and we're getting to 400 300 200 directly perpendicular from them 
and they had no idea. Didn't even look, never picked up their heads, nothing. Yeah, Saki and I sat at the end where they started so we could see both sides and they didn't get antsy. They, they, they didn't even look up. Yeah, we would bounce side to side, basically just checking up on, yeah. on the antelope and the deer and there was no reaction. Yeah. They went all the way to the end and yeah. we kept bouncing back and so forth and they didn't move. Definitely will be a future. Yeah, something to consider. Well, and, and when the pivot's down, We've used going tire to tire to tire. Yes. We've yeah. used that as, because a lot of times when it's not moving, especially deer, will bed in the shade of the tire, of mm-hmm. the pivot mm-hmm. tire. Mm-hmm. And then so uh, Dustin's had a couple opportunities where he's worked up the the pivot mm-hmm. um, doing that. Right. And trying to get, because I think if memory serves me, it's 50 yards from one pivot tire to the next, <laughs> is it? I think is what we, if, if memory serves me correct, from what he was. So he was just trying to get to that pivot tire where they were bedded, and that's a 50-yard shot. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's, if it's 50 yards between, there's 14. I learned this from Larry today. <laughs> <laughs> so in, And who's Larry? <laughs> Larry is, uh, he's helping Q out this year. Um, he came up. I think he said spring of this last year. Yeah, about been about here about a year. Yeah, and uh, he's helping Q out with the ranch, the maintenance, and helping him guide a little bit. And uh, we were going to try and get him on the podcast. I think he said, "I'm going to bed." Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, going to he... start guiding this year. And then when this season's done, he's going to go to Meeker and help him out there, help with the Marine Combat Outdoors, and then go home for a couple of months. But yeah, he's pretty much running the ranch all summer. Good. Yeah, he, he's been helpful for us, for sure. Yeah. But uh, um, now, what did you learn from Larry? So Larry, telling me about <laughs> these pivots, because the ranch and the maintenance and the cost of it, and these, these irrigation pivots are, they're not cheap. They're very expensive. And on each one of these sections, there are 14 sections in each of these uh, pivots and like you said they're 50 yards apart so we're talking 700 yards of irrigation pivot that comes that comes out of those and each section is ten thousand dollars wow of just pipe just pipe so it's it's a big operation but uh gives you an idea of how big these these sections and these pivots are yeah yeah no kidding yeah so that's true Oh, sorry. That was a big yawn. It's been a long day. <laughs> I got up at 3.30 this morning to get up here. Yeah. Um, so, Shelly, take us through your day yesterday. Jason, uh, Justin said, you know, you had a couple good yeah. opportunities. And where were you hanging out? <laughs> what were you looking for as far as an antelope? And yeah, So, the day started out, we were kind of focused on getting Justin an antelope. It, seven-year tag you know what i mean it, there was a lot of, that built up to hunting but here i am sitting on two tags and so and granted the deer tag didn't start until the next day which gave us a little bit of buffer but i really didn't want to try to cram everything into those last that last day um so justin had a couple of those stocks that morning that one up on the mesa where he talked into and i guess to set the stage you know, every, I would kill any place else to kill a mid-70s buck. That's it's a great antelope. But you come out here, you, you draw this tag after 
however many years, you have a legitimate option or opportunity to shoot an 80 inch buck. Mm -hmm. And so the, the bar is set high, but my bar was set a little bit lower. I didn't wait seven years. I, <laughs> right. and I had another tag and there's a giant deer sitting down here that we have eyes on. So we'll get into that later, but you know, it's kind of trying to figure out priorities. So Justin did a couple of stocks. Um, there were a couple of bucks that I was definitely interested in that maybe weren't quite in that that high 80s range that Justin was looking for. Um, so we happened to spot one kind of late morning, mm -hmm. close to early afternoon. Yeah, 10, 11 o'clock, I yeah. think. Yeah. So what we did was we went up, pivot to like Q was talking about. He said, there's two good bucks up there. I need to go take a look at them, focus on those. And me again, not knowing really, and I mean, breaking down an antelope scoring and all of that. We went up, took a look at those, and I'm like, all right, I've got an idea what these guys look like. Let's go back to the ones we saw the night before so I can get a good comparison. That the, Now that it's in my head of how big these goats are, let's go down. We know where these guys are at. Let's go down and check out the other couple pivots, um, the sage along the road where they're bedding these draws, mm -hmm. and really get a look at what these other ones really look like as far as how big they are yeah so we we pulled back into vulture's knob so we could see if we could find those bucks that we had seen the night before and there were a bunch bedded in that sage along the it's a pretty good hill that drops off back into those pivots and there were a number just bedded around there and from where we had eyes on them we thought that we could get up on vulture's knob and then drop down in and get a stock on so Matt and I got off at, at Vulture's Knob and these guys circled back around to kind of help us with eyes. We didn't have any kind of radios or anything, so we were relying on hand signals, which we didn't work out in advance. Um, yeah. We, <laughs> it's a good plan. Yeah. So we, we attempted a, the stock there. Um, unfortunately, our plan was to drop down and kind of come around. Well, the drop down plan, there was another 30 antelope down there looking right uphill at us so that didn't that didn't pan out um, but in the meantime they came back to pick us up we spotted this guy the real nice uh, you know lots of mass good curls kind of back in the bottom between pivots three and four and so we we kind of worked out a plan to drive down there and get closer just to see just get better eyes on him well when we got closer between the two pivots he was definitely a shooter. He's one that I wanted to go after. But where we were at, the, really the only play was the moving blinds. Right. So, but it just made sense. There was a two track that followed that pivot. So we drove by, Matt and I jumped out, let the, the Suburban keep going. And luckily, luckily enough, he was curious enough that he held up for a period of time and gave me enough time to get a shot off so when you're doing something like that primarily do you try and um i mean opening corridors stuff like that at least for for what i've done in the past sometimes it's better to get out a ways away and then allow the vehicle to move slowly and mm -hmm. walk just on the other side mm -hmm. yeah and so you're not you're not tied to getting in and out of this vehicle right um, it's still, uh, Dustin, Dustin had, uh, you know, who of course hunted here last year and has worked for us for, for, you know, five years. Dustin put it this way. He said, to me, that's the worst way to make a shot 
because all the anticipation builds yeah and you're getting closer and you're getting and you see the antelope standing there and you can't believe it's working well all he sees is a vehicle right he doesn't see the people on the other side and um so it's a it's an anticipation build mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's there yeah and the vehicle moves out of the way keeps going the antelope watches that you're either on your knees yeah. or you know kind of crouched down you get your cameraman there and you're coming to full draw yeah. and it's a huge pump of adrenaline yes. i guess would be a good way yeah. to ad- ad- adrenaline dump there's yeah. no way not to feel rushed because no matter how well you plan, you're still pretty much out in the open. No matter, you know, what you have between you and the antelope, you just feel like here you are. And there's a sense of urgency because you don't know how long he's going to stand there. You don't know how long before the doe next to him gets antsy. You know what I mean? You yeah, just, cause, and that's the yeah. other thing. It's not just that long It's not buck. just him, yeah. It's the other 20 yep. or 40 or yeah. 100 or, or 100. whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, but luckily... This this one worked out better, at least for me personally, because the antelope was closer. Mm-hmm. Um, the antelope was actually about 35 yards, which for me is... Right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, very doable shot. So that made me feel more confident in the whole thing, even now, though... Let me stop you for yeah. a second, because when you're setting up for that, explain your setup as far as your bow and your sight. Yeah. How are you doing that? Because, you know, a lot of guys splitting pins, 35, yep. they're splitting their 30 and their 40. Or, but you're dialing. Yeah, I shoot a single pin. Um, there's some risk in it, obviously. It's a decision I made years ago. Just, it, it almost affords me the ability to slow down mm-hmm. because you have to set the sight. Um, it also, it t- for me, increases my accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's more specific. I can put it on 33. I can put it on 39. I just prefer that to splitting pins. Shot a lot of targets. So, so it, and you are an art. You have a huge archery background. Mm-hmm. You've shot ASAs. Mm-hmm. You. So it's not like you went out to a couple 3D shoots this right. year, and now you feel pretty confident. You have comp- competed at a high level. So, uh, you know. We shoot with I shoot with you every Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the league in Fort Collins, and you're usually at the top shooter in the group or <laughs> or up there. I mean, so you shoot. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that archery to you is not a. Um, I mean, I get my bow out a little bit yeah. before season to shoot. Dust it you off shoot and... year round. Right. Right. Okay. And multiple setups. We've got an entire archery shop at the house i mean a lot goes into it we don't the, the both of us and you know justin that when when i'm not shooting the top in that group it's always justin that i'm i'm running after <laughs> yeah but no absolutely i take it very seriously in the last couple of years maybe we haven't shot as much we're not competing in asas but still every wednesday we shoot at the house all the time like i said we're constantly tinkering with setups Set and right. tuning and all of that um, so generally very confident in my equipment, but I shoot a back bar and a stabilizer and yeah, the single sight pin and all of that. So I'm really, really, you know, tedious about my equipment. Um, but the way that this worked out is it's nice because you are next to the vehicle. So when the, the vehicle keeps moving, Justin's still sitting in the car and he ranges it for me. So that takes one factor 
out of the equation. So you're for able me. to truly dial yeah, to so what I can the animal set it is right then. Right, which it's unique because you don't see that in other hunting, elk hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know of anybody who could. I've never heard of an elk driving by an elk. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> we've done it with deer, but again, uh, it's much more the similar situation: farm ground. Mm-hmm. Right. They're used to seeing pickups, right. or maybe mm-hmm. even oil field where there's a lot of oil field traffic or something. Right. And you're using uh, uh, the vehicle is almost part of the landscape in some regards. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you're using that just like you would, yeah. uh, you know, the the terrain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, like you said earlier, so where this buck stood, there there was no terrain, no topography to get you right. closer. There there was no play on him at all. Right. So you you needed to make something to get you in closer, and that's where the vehicle came in. Mm-hmm. And we've tried in the past the moo cow decoy, mm-hmm. and what we found in the past because there's uh, never been cattle on the pivots because right. as you can imagine cows in the pivots that can't be uh it's probably not real good for the farmer and it's probably you know it's something that it's not normal but this year we showed up and there was a bull and <laughs> two calves two calves and yeah. a cow oh, yeah. which we've never seen somehow they got in there so actually there's has this is the first time ever that there has been some cows in the pivot which we'll get to that later. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. So, um, setup worked great. Buck stayed there, gave us the time, um, got him on camera, executed the shot. It was a little bit forward. Basically hit him in that front shoulder. The good news, the silver lining was he was hurt bad. Um, I was unhappy with the shot because I you, he was close enough I saw it hit. It didn't get a lot of penetration, but the he didn't go far and he immediately went down. But he was, you know, still still alive. Still, I didn't know how long it would take for that kind of shot. He probably could have backed out and and, and come back in in a couple hours. He'd been dead. Probably, probably. But I, I don't know. I've been really fortunate in the past, and I, this isn't this isn't me bragging, but I've had really good luck in one shot, one kills. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it spoiled me a little bit last year. We had a little bit of a challenge with the deer I shot last year. And so I, I just had that replaying in my head that I didn't want to back out. I didn't want to leave this mm-hmm. buck. I, the, the idea of them laying there suffering just makes me sick. Um, and because he did bed down so quickly, I knew he was hurt. So we we got a little aggressive. We pushed it to get the, the next shot in him just to just to make sure he was done. And, and I think, you know, it, you have to read the body language. Every yeah. situation is different. But I think it's the the old adage, you know, will you take a shot at 90 yards? Well, I would if I already had an arrow in an sure, animal. Sure, absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you want to as ethically, quickly, yeah. and get that, yeah. put that animal out of its misery. Yeah, all I could think about is last year we did, we had to, we backed out on that buck. Right. And you you come back to the lodge and you pace and you think and you you know all i think about is them suffering or the coyotes getting after it or something you know i just Mm -hmm. that stuff just bothers me to no end and i know it happens and you know i i think people tend to judge oh the first shot was bad but i feel like we did the right thing we went Mm -hmm. after him we 
got the next arrow in them and and harvested that animal well and and it's different when you can see the animal yeah let's say we're in a whitetail thicket you know and the white you shoot a whitetail and it runs off Mm -hmm. and you're unsure of the shot yeah when in doubt back out Mm -hmm. i mean and give them a couple hours but we you had eyeballs on this animal and you went back and you persisted and um just seeing the footage which i have seen the footage he he didn't want he was hurt bad yeah he didn't want to go and and run all the way across the pivot he wanted he was done yeah but but he wasn't done and so you were able to get you know within a comfortable range for that lethal second shot yeah and and you made it and the fact that he went down so quickly and he let us stalk in again i mean we weren't being super sneaky to get back in you were, you were just walking yeah yeah, yeah. So you were you just knew, put, you were pushing the envelope yeah you knew that he was hurting bad yeah that yeah. there wasn't a get up and run across the country right right well and and, and you know uh, i i say it all the time uh it's easy to sit on your couch and pick people's oh, shots sure. apart yeah it's easy to ch- armchair quarterback yeah. stuff um and but when you're in the situation you have a decision to make yeah and i think you made the right one yeah i think so too and i hope you know when people watch the episode that they they see that that we we did what was right we followed up we brought that animal home the same day right yeah and it's a good buck oh yes let's just just add that it's a good good (laughs) and and, uh yeah so uh, uh for your first split rock buck yeah uh, antelope buck how do you feel i mean are you are you oh, pleased man. oh absolutely it's gonna be hard to beat yeah it's it's a nice buck it's unique it's got character it's got mass all the way to the points and he's got uh, he's yeah. even got some unique you know normally you don't see a lot of i call it you know alternative structure yeah is that a good way to put it right <laughs> but he's got uh points coming off yeah he's got some little nubs, got some little nubs like on the back kickers for hard curls yeah, yeah. For I mean, hard curls yeah. and hard. mass all the way to the tips mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah when you guys texted buck. me a picture of him i said good i think the thing i responded with is good mass mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's take a second and let's talk about judging antelope because it's something that I've spent a lot of time doing. And there's a couple of things I look for. And I, by no means, am an expert. But um, I've talked to a lot of people that are experts. And I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express one time. <laughs> um, but, but what you're looking for, the first thing I look for is I look for that, the, the prong or the cutter, whatever mm-hmm. terminology mm-hmm. you want to use. The bottom of it forking off of the main mass of the horn okay. to be above the ear. Right. So what that tells you is you have some length because you see a young antelope and you'll see halfway through the cutter the ear is. Where your buck forked ab- above that, right. the, the, the tip of the ear. So that gives you a, a base measurement. Then you're looking for cutter length. And the length, the way they measure a cutter is if you take a, uh, a vertical line 
through the horn and then the middle of that to the end mm -hmm. is how they measure it. So you're looking for five, four, five, six, maybe seven if you're really lucky. Ooh. I mean, that's a big cutter. Yeah, that's a big Absolutely. cutter. Um, uh, but, you know, that's, that's, that's when you and, – and especially some of them, all, that, those cutters will curve in so you're even getting more length. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, uh, and then above the cutter you want, you want good length. And sometimes they're straight, but if they have a good curl – they're actually longer. They might not be real tall. They right. might only be, if you measured from the base to the top, they might only be 13 inches. But if they have good curl, that's good length. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the overall and, and probably most important factor is mass. Yeah. And so if you look at something uh, uh, like my wrist, I have a very thin wrist. I'm a little guy. I don't want something the size of my wrist. I want something more like my forearm. Sure. And that's what I look at. Now... You might say, just Justin, you got you and Saki both have bigger wrists than I do, so maybe you want something that big. But that's what you're looking for: that type of mass mm -hmm. carried all the way up, and then good mass in that curl above. Again, because you get your four mass measurements. So you right. add all those on, and and you know I think uh, Pope and Young is is it 63? 67. 67. 67. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I know it's not. I mean, it, it's pretty easy. I shouldn't say that. That's the wrong terminology. But here, for sure, it's easy to here. shoot open young. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Um, yeah. And I've shot a couple of bucks on public land, and I don't think I've shot one that's been under open young. Yeah, it's doable. Uh, be, right. You know, you might have yeah. to look at a few, but it's it's pretty easy to hit that. Mm -hmm. What do you think that buck you killed in Colorado goes? Um, I think he's probably pretty close to Pope and Young. He, I think he was upper. 60s. He just doesn't. He doesn't have the 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 mass and the length. Yeah. But he, proportionately, he looks really nice. Yeah, and he was. So I I'd never hunted pronghorn before last year when I moved up. I hunted the OTC tag, and then drew the tag this year. So I I wasn't going to be picky at all. I was mainly what I was looking for was the right situation. Right. Um, You're hunting more for the stock than you are for the actual goat. Exactly. Right. And and he was the one that gave me the best situation to where I can capitalize and right. luckily it turned out but he is um, especially after seeing all the ones that we've seen the past few days um, I'm fairly certain he's probably in that mid to upper 60s yeah yeah so still killing an antelope with a bow there's something special about yeah. that you know we, we have to think this is an ungulate that has a set of binoculars for eyes like exactly. like oh, a power yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, their sense of smell is good, although I don't know that they're as flighty as a whitetail or a mule deer or an elk or something like that when it comes to human smell. Mm -hmm. Partly because of, on this place, the human activity of, the, of just the workers and the farmers and all that stuff is that's, that doesn't bother them as much. Um, so there are some benefits there. Um, but, you know, this, these antelope we're seeing here I mean, I don't know how many thousands of public, thousands of acres of public land we're surrounded by, and there's antelope there too. Sure. I was driving in. Sun was just rising when I left Rollins, and there's a pretty good buck standing right on the side of the road on public land. Well, actually, he was 
pretty close to the roadway, <laughs> but he <laughs> just come, you know just come off of public land, you know, and and uh, so they're they're here. Um, it's just a matter of being able to to uh, have the right opportunity. And I mm-hmm. think I think it was super nice on for for Shelley because I think the buck that she ended up taking was that first night was probably the biggest buck we saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was super distinct because his mask went all the way up. So when we first spotted him, I remember me and Justin looking at him. I was like, he looks distinctly bigger than all the rest. His body, I mean. Big body. His body was huge. Yeah. Real yeah. thick neck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Big head. Buck. Mm-hmm. Big. Yeah. yeah. Even compared to, I mean, the rest of them, just his nose. They shorten up. Big, they Roman get that little nose. Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a yeah, big old noggin on him. So. He stood out, different coloring. He was a lot darker. And Interesting. As far as his hair color mm-hmm. than all the rest of them. I mean, he, he stuck out without even looking above the the neck. So hmm. it was... Uh, unique, unique. Very. Well, it was a good, it was a good day. It was a good day. And uh, it's always nice to, you know, even in a situation where you where you have to follow up but you know uh, when i killed my goat out here i shot him forward mm. and he was quartering away so i got one lung yeah i didn't i didn't shoot him forward like in the shoulder mm-hmm. but i shot him forward it would have been a 10 ring on a 3d target <laughs> but it's quartering away yeah so it's, so basically i'm going in armpit and then out through the brisket is what happened and i only got one lung mm-hmm. And I think I finally put my second arrow in him four or five hours later. Yeah. And we watched him and we watched him. And what I was looking for is for him to put his head down. And then it, then I, you know, I was thinking he's going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to die. And he was not hurt like your buck was mm-hmm. hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. But he ran a ways. And then we glassed him because we didn't want to push him. And I think I got my second arrow in him five or six hours later wow but so it is nice to be able to turn around and yeah. in that short period of time even for the time you shot him it wasn't very long and you right. were putting him out of his misery right. and then to be able to get him broke down and yeah and and you know that's a that's a that's a you didn't have to sleep yes you know you didn't have nights. to go to, to sleep <laughs> that night hoping that you could get back right. on him in the morning hoping that you could find him yeah hoping yeah, yeah. so they're tough mm-hmm. it just I mean, it's amazing. And the funny thing is, I talk to a lot of people who talk about how wimpy antelope are, meaning yeah, you, you nick them. You nick them, yeah. Paper cut. <laughs> Paper cut, and they go lay down, and you shoot yeah. them again, right? And um, That wasn't my experience. But that, ha- that wasn't, hasn't been my experience either. Look what um, they live in. Yeah. They're hardy animals. Yeah. yeah, they have to be. They've got a thick thick hide and yeah. coat and they love 90 degree weather and they live out in the middle of nowhere where it's just dirt and snakes yeah. <laughs> well the wyoming no winter yeah anything that can live through a wyoming winter yeah mm-hmm. it's gotta be a tough critter and not be anywhere near a tree yeah no trees <laughs> no shelter, no shelter yeah. they you just know, but we did see some stick their butt in the wind and this merit morning, <laughs> this, this morning we saw some antelope 
that I think you even mentioned, Justin, that you never saw. I before. was shocked. Yeah, we saw antelope going into the willows. Into the willow, bottom. near a creek bottom, yeah. and bed down in the middle Acting of like white -tail. six yeah. foot tall willows. And yeah, there were several. There were several was, down there. Yeah, never I've seen never it. seen that in my life. They ever. thought they were deer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They were around a bunch of deer. They were maybe, they, a bunch of deer. maybe they got raised by mule deer. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, it was the oddest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, that was weird. Well, Shelly, you got another tag in your pocket. Let's talk a little bit before we end in this podcast because uh, Justin's got a tag. You got a tag. Let's talk a little bit about um, prospects, deer, mm -hmm. what, you, what we've got found, yeah. what we're crossing our fingers for have you named that buck i have not personally named that buck but larry may have let's call him larry's buck let's call him larry's buck but that's explain set the scene uh, what what this buck looks like because he is impressive he is impressive but let me back up just a little bit so i drew both tags all along the plan was to put the deer tag on the back burner it took Justin seven years to draw that <laughs> antelope tag. I wasn't going right. to you know, act like the antelope tag wasn't important. So I even told Q early on, I'm like, listen, I drew both tags, but focus on the antelope. I've shot a couple of really nice deer here. So let's, I, I never wanted to just, you know, eat the tag, but if it came down to it, that was going to be the plan. So about the time Q and I had this conversation, <laughs> He says, well, let me show you what kind of deer we've got running around. And he sends Justin this picture of this mainframe three by. That's the biggest deer I've seen on the hoof. He's, he's a main mainframe three, but he's got, he's four on one side. He's got a kicker on that. He's got a kicker. It's a, it forks. It's not it's, real big, but it forks, but he's, yeah. he's a mainframe he's, three. So Larry who's working the ranch has had has seen this deer most of the summer yeah that's what it sounds like yeah. yeah kind of living in the creek bottom near his house living in the same you know 300 yards worth of creek bottom so Q which sends, is unusual for a mule deer which is sure it's a white tail yes yeah but for a mule deer it's very unusual yeah the roam you know yeah. come and go do that we thing. have yeah. seen deer bed down by Larry's house, down, mm -hmm. I mean, which is, what, two miles? Yeah. Okay. And then come every day, come and feed in the pivot, and at first light, they're going back to bed over there. So mm -hmm. we've seen that happen. Yeah. But Absolutely. this deer doesn't this come one. to the pivot. Yeah. He stays. He lives He lives right down there. there. But again, he's got everything he needs. And he lived there last year. Yeah, yes. we think he lived there last year. The I think we saw him. I think that's the one Dustin put a stock on last year. Huge drought, no water. He was spindly and I mean, still a huge body. Yeah. I mean, big old pot belly on him. Hard horned on this same weekend last year, but you could tell he was malnutritioned and nothing, nothing went, left his belly and went to his head. <laughs> He's still I should say, <laughs> at, uh, but not the case this year yeah. at all. Yeah. So here we are a couple of weeks back talking to Q. Shelly's putting this deer tag on the back burner. Q's sending pictures of this ginormous deer. And I'm like, all right, Q, I mean, I'm going to need a few more days. I'm going to need, you know, some help. So I think it was the right decision that the first day we didn't even go look at him. We still focused on antelope. Let's get this done. 
And then last night. Yes. We went down. Yes. After yeah. you shot your antelope. After I shot my antelope, we went down to just get eyes on him. And, and you, did you pick him up right away? Right away. And he comes out of the trees like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Angels singing. Just, just velvet everywhere. Velvet Here antlers coming through the willow bushes. I mean, he's. Wa- he's. Yeah, he's, he's the biggest buck I've ever seen on the hoof. 30 yes. plus inches wide. But yeah. he's smart. He's, just, he's probably a 170 inch three point. Yeah. Oh, every bit. Mm-hmm. Every bit of. Yeah. He's he's super Deep wide. Forks. He's super tall. I've seen one, one three point that's as big as him. Yeah. And it was in eastern Colorado. And they shot that buck with a rifle. And he went 176. And this buck's. This buck says as impressive. I don't know if he'll score the exact same, but I remember seeing him going, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah. This deer, this deer is impressive. When you see, you just see antlers coming through. It's it's impressive. But he, like I say, he's smart. Where he's living, in all of these willows along the creek bottom, there's a lot of distance of grassland between where we can get to get to him. You know, 300 yards. Not a lot of access either direction. The wind is generally coming from the, the most unfavorable direction. Right, exactly. So we've watched him twice, and we have yet to make a play on him. And he hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. Uh, 20 yards tops. Yeah. And has not completely revealed his whole body. No, we haven't seen his whole body. willow bushes and sage. Yeah. Well, and I don't think we're jumping ahead too much to talk about um, thinking like uh, tonight when I was here we got a chance to sit on him and see what he was going to do and see if we could make a play on him and um, although we were 300 yards away glassing his little willow patch yeah, it was 45 minutes before dark and all of a sudden he stood up yeah. which you'd seen him bed down there earlier this morning, this morning. Mm-hmm. and um, even if we would have been sitting down there on the edge of that willow patch there was no way you were going to get an arrow to him no because he's in sage that's three foot tall and willows that's six foot tall in some places yeah you know there are some holes and some 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 trails and stuff in there so that it's going to be interesting because he's a a buck of opportunity Mm -hmm. he is patternable in the fact that he's not going he's He's not going anywhere yeah yeah but that doesn't mean you're going to walk in there and kill him. Because there's also, how many other deer did we see that were in there oh, in man. and around him? Yeah, does and fawns popping up yeah. everywhere, plus antelope. those random, random antelope. Antelope <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. creek bottom. And I think that's a great opportunity, perhaps, to utilize an antelope buck to go kill a mule deer right. because mm-hmm. of that very feature. Right. I don't know that um, a moo cow would work down there. There's no cattle. There's no cows. And... Uh, so we might have to try that. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of been playing scenarios over and over again, trying to figure out the best play because that willow patch, you know, is 150 yards long by 100 yards wide. So even though we we saw him in the same spot twice today, you know, who knows? And that's right on the edge of the creek. Yep. So if you go from one side to go into him, you have to cross the creek, 
which is down an embankment, splash, 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 <laughs> right. to the other side of the creek, and then up the other embankment. So, right. like tonight, that was the approach we would have had to make, and we made the decision not right. to, because right. chances are pretty high. We'd, we'd have blown him out and never seen him. Right. So, yeah. a little different. A little yeah. different. And this is the first year that I've focused on a single deer. Every other year that I've hunted deer here, it's been your glass of deer, you pick out the big one in make that group. You make a play, you make a stock, you, you know, you move on. You're not just so focused on that deer. We haven't, we haven't even glassed other deer. We haven't deer. looked at a single other deer. I mean, you come across them looking for antelope the last yeah. day or whatever, but haven't even paid attention to any other mule deer just because he is that he's impressive spectacular <laughs> well i i think there's more of this story to be told i hope so fingers crossed yep, fingers i mean there'll crossed. be more story regardless but i hope it's yeah. yeah well we uh if he if we can do it he's in a good spot we just need a few things to go our way and uh and and maybe get a little creative think out of the box but i think there's a good chance good chance so well guys it is late we gotta get up early try and go get on larry's buck larry's buck and uh i think we should uh, call a night we've got more to come we've got uh justin your exciting adventure still here on the split rock to to discuss we've got uh the the rest of, of shelly's deer hunt and uh so stick around we'll have another podcast coming soon and uh, we'll follow up keep you guys up to date as always make sure you guys uh give us a thumbs up a like whatever it is subscribe uh to inspired wild uh, that helps us if you want to leave a comment uh, please do that that just helps us get seen by more people, um, and uh, and give us a outback outdoors. Justin, you and, and Shelly are both on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelly is S H E L L E Y E Y, and then Wampler and Justin is Justin Common Spelling Wampler, <laughs> um, but you're J underscore Wampler. Correct on instagram and you are wampler shelly yeah on instagram so go over there give them a follow lots of good stuff lots of fun um shelly's a avid fly fishing freak <laughs> i don't and i, <laughs> I think good I'm, year and, fishing and, and, yeah yeah and you yeah so um yeah so let's uh let's wrap this up and uh as always we encourage you to find your wild find what uh what it really inspires you uh out in the wild and embrace it god bless and we will see you guys down the trail